0: This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. So this is week four of our Advent series. And Advent, like we've laid out every single week to kind of uh, set the stage and let you kind of know what Advent means, Advent is simply a season of expectation. It's a season of anticipation and expectation. And so in the liturgical church, meaning, um, you know, the Lutheran church, the Catholic church, the Episcopal church, all of that sort of, those, those sort of lines of faith traditions uh, celebrate Advent. And so something that's been really, really cool, so people who come from more of like a, a Pentecostal bend or a Baptist bend or something like that, the whole concept of, of Advent is probably relatively new to you um, because it's more of an orthodox liturgical thing. But it's simply something, it's a season leading up to Christmas where we anticipate the birth of Jesus, right? And so what's been really cool is that on the weeks that we're talking about hope, there are millions of believers all over the world also talking about hope. When we're talking about peace, they're talking about hope, and then this and joy, and then this Sunday is love. And so as we've trekked through this, in week one, Pastor Rich shared about hope and how hope is available now. See, the cool thing about Advent is that there was a season of Advent where they were waiting for the Messiah to come, right? They were waiting for the birth of Jesus. You know in your Bible, when you have the Old Testament and the New Testament, and there's like a blank page in the middle there, right? You guys know that? That blank page represents about 400 years of history. It's called the intertestamental period, where um, they were waiting and anticipating for the Messiah to come. And so it was this season of Advent. They were waiting for hope to come. They were waiting for joy to come. They were waiting for peace to come. They were waiting for love to come down. And so it was this anticipation, the season of Advent. But now we find ourselves also in a season of Advent. Because as Jesus was exiting the earth, he said, you know, he pulled an Arnold Schwarzenegger and was like, yo, I'll be back. Right? He flipped on his Ray-Bans and looked back over his shoulders like, I'm coming back. Right? And so that's sort of the period that we find ourselves in, in this anticipation for the return of Christ. Where he comes to reconcile and make all things right, okay, and so we find ourselves waiting for that hope and waiting for that peace and that joy and that love that is to come, but in week one, we also talked about how in this time we're able to experience now, and so Rich shared about hope and how hope is available now, and Bob shared in week two about peace and how we're called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers, and there is a massive difference between the two, right, right? We are called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. And then in week three, last week, I shared about joy and how joy is this idea of a deep, inner, abiding, rejoicing. And joy is essentially, joy is an awareness of God's grace and favor. It's understanding of who we are in relation to who he is and how all that kind of works and plays together. And so if you missed any of those discussions and you'd like to check it out, it's on our podcast at centralchurch.cc podcast. Uh, and it's an opportunity for you to kind of catch up and fill in all the holes. Um, so as I was kind of studying this week and preparing for my talk on love today, I thought through the previous weeks, the hope, peace, and joy. And I thought if you reverse engineer this thing, right, if you start at the end and work backwards, I came up with a statement that kind of encapsulates what we've been talking about, and it's this. Joy is where we can operate when we have peace in the hope of Christ. Joy is where we operate when we have peace in the hope of Christ. So we talked about hope, peace, and joy. And so this morning we're going to talk about love. Now, I thought I would start off by talking about some things that I absolutely love. I absolutely love, love, love the Detroit Lions, is anyone else bold enough to still say that they love the Detroit Lions? A few of us. Okay, look around. These are our ride or dies. The rest of you, bandwagon. I don't want to hear it next year when we actually have a winning season, okay? All right? It's always next year, right? Always next year. Um, I love the Detroit Lions. I am fully aware of how damaging that relationship is to me, okay? I am fully embrace the impacts that it has on my mental health every football season. I get that, but I love, love, love. I love the Detroit Lions. I absolutely love my family as well. I love my family, you know? I love my wife. I love my, I have like a small army of children. I love them all. They're incredible. I love, I love my brother and my sister and, and my extended family. I love my, my in-laws. I know I was blessed. I have like the best in-laws ever. I would almost take, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. I would almost take my in-laws over my I'm not going to say that from a microphone on stage, even though I might feel it in my heart. I love... I'm going to just keep moving right along here. I love pizza. Like, like, I have a love, love relationship with pizza. Does anyone else love pizza? In, in, here. Okay. Think about how much you love pizza. I love it more. I promise you that. Okay? I love pizza so much. This last summer, I snuck in and got a pizza tattoo. I have a, I have a slice of pizza tattooed on my arm. Okay? I love, love pizza. Small plug for local business here. Uh, pizza roll. How many of y'all have pizza roll? in spite of the old Jimmy John uh, or Papa John's place over here none of you you're welcome for what's about to happen go there and check it out it is unreal okay they take this pizza and they roll it and then they cut it into little like sushi things and you eat it and it's i had it 3 times this week not lying 3 times told you i love you're like i couldn't tell yes you can you can tell you you know okay quit flattering me i love pizza i love shoes i love shoes I know Jerry loves shoes. I love shoes as well, okay? I love shoes. I think the reason that I love shoes so much is I think you can tell a lot about a person by the shoes they wear. I think everyone's shoes tell a story, you know? You can tell what they're, a lot about what their interests are, what matters to them, what they care about, what kind of cultural things they're into or whatever. And some of you are like, no, nah, man, shoes are just shoes. And I can tell that by the shoes you wear. I can tell that about you, right? I mean, I, honestly, it's, it's interesting. Shoes are like almost like a window to the soul, but I don't know. I love, I love shoes a lot. I love basketball. I love basketball. It doesn't mean that I'm great at basketball, but I love basketball. I love playing basketball. Mainly I like talking trash while I play basketball. I think that's the main thing I like doing about it. But I love basketball, I love playing basketball, I love watching basketball, I love going to the Pistons games. I go to my so my oldest son is in fourth grade, and we go to the high school basketball games of his school. I'm like that creepy guy in the stands, they're like, Who's that guy related to? Oh, nobody? Why is he here? That's me, right? Like, I love basketball. I'll go to high school basketball games, go to Pistons games. I love coaching basketball. I'm coaching a middle school team. Don't have a kid on the team. I'm coaching a, uh, a Madison Heights basketball team this season here in the city for the rec leagues, little 9- uh, and 10-year-olds. I mean, I absolutely love, love, love basketball. I absolutely love it. And so I can say that I love pizza, and I love shoes, I love my family, I love the Detroit Lions, I love basketball, I love Jesus too, like I love Jesus, I've dedicated my entire life to vocational ministry, right, I've I've dedicated my life to edifying and resourcing and building the church, I love Jesus, I can say love about all these different things that are so diverse and so different and so separate but so the same and all of this, and so love is this huge concept. Love is this huge force and this huge feeling, this huge emotion. Um, and if we're not careful when talking about love, if we're not careful, we can narrow its scope to pizza, right? When we're not, if we're not careful, we can narrow the scope of the fullness of love to basketball or to, to, to what movies define as love or defining love as sex, and we can narrow it so far that it's just that. Or a brand of clothing that puts the word love across booty shorts. Right? Like if we're not careful, honestly, if we're not careful, we can limit the scope of love so much that it becomes something commercial. It becomes something whimsical. Something, oh yeah, this, that, or the other. It's, oh yeah, I love that. I love that show. I love, and we can throw the word around so much that it becomes something that we don't really think about. But the love that Advent speaks of, the love that Advent References when we're talking about hope and peace and joy and love and the love that came down with Jesus in Advent, it supersedes all these concepts. It's so much bigger and so much greater and so much deeper than all the stuff that I was just talking about. It supersedes all of that. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to unpack that a little bit. I want to unpack that concept of love. In First John chapter 4 verse 8. It says, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This idea that God is love, that's huge. That's massive. I mean, God is massive. God is bigger than we can even comprehend. And it says that God is love, meaning love is huge. Love is massive. Love is bigger than we can even comprehend. And so I want to look at that this morning and kind of unpack it together. So let's pray, uh, and then we'll jump right in. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for what you're doing in this church. I thank you so much for those awesome kids coming up here and celebrating you together here. And we get to experience that and celebrate that with them. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our individual hearts and lives and in our families. God, this morning I pray as we open your word, I pray that it would speak truth to us. I pray that you'd soften our hearts, you'd open our minds, you'd make us receptive to what you want to give us this morning, that we would walk out of here different than when we came in. God, we yield to you. We yield to your leadership, to your guidance. We pray that you'd do work in us today. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Awesome. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. If not, it should be up on the screen for you as well. But this is sort of going to set the framework. Almost as like an outline of kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. And so it says this, Dear friends, let us love one another. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And I love how this is almost like an acrostic. I think that's the right word. Is that, is that where it's like the same on both sides and meets in the middle? Is that an acrostic? Yes? No? Maybe so? No? Bob's like, no, fam, that's not it. Today it is. It's an acrostic. <laughs> it's like a bow tie. Okay, I'm redefining the English language currently. Grammar. It's like a bow tie, right? It's like, love one another. Love comes from God. God is love. And God loves us, so love one another. Right? And it's almost this like progression of understanding, this progression of perspective, this progression of practice. Our posture as a Christ follower should be love. Do you hear that? Our posture as a Christ follower should be love, not a militant keyboard warrior. Right? Our posture as a Christ follower should be love. Our position as a Christ follower. Should be love. Our position as a Christ follower should be love. Our action as a Christ follower should be love. Our response to other people's crazy actions around us as a Christ follower should be love. Our language, our attitude, our perspective, our worldview as a Christ follower should be love. Love should permeate all that we are, all that we say, all that we do, all that we're becoming. Love should permeate all of it. In this passage, he says, love one another, not just those who look like you. I know I say this all the time. Love one another, not those who just look like you and think like you and vote like you and act like you and dress like you and believe like you. Only love those people. No, no, no. This says love One another, without specification, without distinction. Love one another. It says love comes from God. See, our ultimate example of love is God. God is the initiator of love. God is the creator of love. It says that God is love. His very essence, his very existence is love. His every function is love. God is love, and God Loves us. God proactively extends himself to us. He proactively extends love to us. He initiates a love relationship with us and then includes us to be part of this. You know, so often in church realm and church world, we spend so much time with this, like, evangelistic perspective of saying, yo, come follow Jesus. Hey, come with me to church. Hey, come do this. Come do this. And we're inviting, inviting, and trying to bring people in, trying to bring people in, trying to bring them in. And, and I think oftentimes we forget what an honor and a privilege it is in the first place that God even offers that to us. The cosmic God of the universe, creator of everything, is like, yo, you want to hang out? You want to You want to be friends? Let me love you. I don't know if I should love God or not. I don't know if I should be part of a Christian. You know, they, they write these articles that are just crazy. And, they're, and on Facebook, they're total idiots. But I just don't know if I should be friends with Christians or if I should. The God of the universe is saying, yo, I love you. Let's do this. Let's hang out. Let's do life. To- I'm inviting you into the love story that I'm telling, is what God says to us. God loves us. And then they call us. At the end of this, this is the end of the acrostic, or whatever it's called, where it comes full circle and says, love one another. I think this is a call to action of us saying, "Yo, know, it's not only about us receiving the love of God, but then we're also called to reflect the love of God, to involve others in the love story that God is telling in and through us. The love that God has shared with us is not just for us to keep, but it's for us to reflect to others as well. And so we're talking about this Advent thing and how Jesus shows up. See, when Jesus showed up, speaking this language of love, it shattered everybody's paradigms and everybody's expectations. When they're waiting for the Messiah to come, when they were anticipating the Messiah to come, they weren't anticipating someone to show up and say, hey, love one another. They weren't anticipating someone to say, yo, God is love, and we're going to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. They weren't anticipating any of that. You know what they were anticipating? A militant leader to come in and free them and liberate them from oppression and take down the Babylonian empire and to shatter the rule of all the kings and the kingdoms and be the new triumphant champion of all. Now, if I just describe some of your vision of who Jesus is, that's a problem. Because Jesus showed up and that's not what happened. They expected him to show up on a stallion championing the cause of the kingdom of heaven, and he shows up on a donkey saying, hey, yo, y'all need to love each other. It's all about love. God is love. God loves us. And we are called to love others. And so when Jesus shows up doing this, it changes everything. Jesus shows up saying God is the cosmic source of, of love. It's so much bigger that humanity can even fathom. And Jesus brought that love to humanity. When he comes down in the swaddling cloths in Bethlehem and all of that, what that is, is that's the incarnation of Christ. That's, that's God in a bod, right? That's God putting on flesh and living a human life and saying, hey, guess what? All you people, you're now included into this love relationship. You are now welcome to join this love relationship that is God, You're invited into this sort of divine dance, this relationship with God. You're invited into that. And so they say, love one another. Love comes from God. God is love. God loves us. So love one another. And we hear verses like this, and we hear stories like this, and we hear sermons like this, and yet somehow we still get it twisted. Somehow as the church as a whole, we still get it messed up at times. We still get tripped up on all this other stuff. We read the Bible and we still pull out stuff that's like, oh yeah, let's hate people. Let's judge people. Let's put people in their place. Let's fight people on Facebook. Let's, it's like, what? what? How do you, how? How? There's this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard it. Right? It's like the wedding chapter. Because it's talking about love. And it's describing love. And it's pointing, pointing out kind of, you know, hey, this is, this is kind of how it works, right? This follows a passage of Scripture that talks about the body, uh, one body in many parts, right? We've talked about this before. And how uh, Paul's writing a church to the letter in Corinth, which is first century Middle East. And he's writing them this letter, and he's like, yo, you're all diverse. You all have different gifts. You all have different things to bring to the table, right? There's one body but many parts. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. The foot cannot say to the eye, I don't need you for whatever, blah, 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 right? You've, you've heard that before. And so Paul is outlining there, he's saying, listen, everybody's got something different to bring to the body of Christ, to edify the body of Christ, to be the hands and feet of Jesus here on the earth, right? Immediately following that, he says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. Yeah, you can do all these things. Yeah, you're empowered. Yeah, you're gifted. Yeah, you can do all this. But let me show you what's the most important thing. And he says this, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Meaning, if I'm eloquent of speech and I can talk about all this stuff and I can lay it down and I can be this big boisterous voice for God, but don't have love, it just sounds like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. He's saying, yo, you get yourself busy and twisted with all this stuff, like you're working your tail off for the church and working your tail off for Jesus, and you're giving this, and you're serving there, and you're part of the adoptive family, and you're part of AWOL, and you're doing all these things, and it's awesome, and it's awesome, and you're patting yourself on the back and thinking, man, I'm such a super Christian. I'm such a great follower of Christ. And he says, but if you don't have love, it's all garbage. It means nothing. It sounds like a clanging zon- gong or, or, or a resounding cymbal. And last time I talked about this, I actually brought a cymbal out here and beat the crap out of it while I was talking. To illustrate the point, people didn't appreciate that, so I'm not doing it again. But you get, the, you get the picture, right? They were like, what are you, what are you, will you stop? What are you doing? I'm never coming to church here again, right? But you get the point. When we're doing all these things and acting like we're like super high holy rollers and we're doing all this stuff, but we don't have love we're missing it. We're missing it. And then it goes on. In verse uh, 4, it says this, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love Never fails. So he says, if you can speak in tongues of men and angels, if you can prophesy and have faith to move mountains, if you have generosity and selflessness and you're living this model Christian life, but you don't have love, it's all meaningless. It's meaningless. It's like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, you know what your life should be defined by? You know what people should think of when they think of you? Love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It's not self-seeking. It isn't rude. It's not easily angered. It doesn't keep score. It doesn't celebrate or delight in evil. It always trusts, always protects, always hopes, always perseveres. You could take that passage, insert your name where it says love. That's what people should think about when they think of you. That's what people should encounter when they encounter you. That's what people should take away when they see your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed. That's what people should think. Sam is patient. Sam is kind. Sam doesn't envy. Sam doesn't boast. Sam isn't proud. Sam isn't self-seeking. Sam isn't rude. Sam isn't easily angered. Sam doesn't keep score. Sam doesn't celebrate or delight in evil. Sam always trusts. Sam always protects. Sam always hopes. Sam always perseveres. That's what it should be. Ask my wife if I'm on that list. Probably not. The answer would be, uh, there's probably like, what, there's 12 options there? Uh, He probably needs help in like uh, 13 of them, right? I'm not up here on my high horse saying, yo, y'all need to get on my level, right? But what I'm saying is this is what we're called to. As Christ followers, this is the bar. As Christ followers, this is the goal. As Christ followers, this is the expectation, but yeah, we get so caught up in religion, we get so caught up in church, we get so caught up in all the crap, we get so caught up in politics, we get so caught up in doctrine, we get so caught up in who believes this, that, and the other, and what's your stance on this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah. And that somehow we miss the whole point. The whole point is love. That's the whole point. Paul says, let me show you the most excellent way. This is the way that God has called you and designed you to be. Receiving the love of God and reflecting the love of God. That's what we're called to. And I know I've shared this next quote probably five or six times in the last three years, but I mean, I'm going to be honest, it rocks my world every time I think about it. And it rocks my world every time I talk about love. I feel like I'd be remiss to not share this quote with you. And if you're into this quote and you're like, man, I'd like to know more about that, we have a community group starting next month that's going through the book Repenting of Religion by Gregory Boyd. And it's all about sort of shifting your perspective and understanding this concept of how love is supreme over all else and permeates everything. But in this quote, he says this. He says, Christians sometimes try to assess how often they or others are doing on the basis of such things as how successfully they conquer a particular sin, how much prayer and Bible study they do, how regularly they attend and give to church, and so forth. So he's saying we take this metric system to measure our success as a Christ follower. How much are we giving to the church? How much are we serving at church? How much do we attend church? How am I overcoming or conquering this sin or that sin or whatever? He says, but rarely do we honestly ask the question that scripture places at the center of everything. Are we growing in our capacity to love all people? Are we growing in our capacity to love all people? Do we have an increasing love for our sisters and brothers in Christ, as well as those whom Christ died who are yet outside the church. Are we increasing in our capacity, I love this, to ascribe unsurpassable worth to people whom society judges to have no worth? Are we ever growing in our capacity to love all people? Is that us? We gotta ask ourselves, is that us? Are we people defined by our love? Are we people characterized by our love? Do we measure our success in life by our capacity to love, to receive love and to give love? Is that us? Is that you? Are you defined by love? When people think about you, is the first thing that comes to mind, wow, that's a really loving person. Wow, they really love life. They love people. They love Jesus. I see love when I see them. I feel love when I'm around them. I take away love from my interaction from them. Because here's the deal. I'm not here to be like, oh, you all suck. Here's the deal. Here's what I'm saying. That's God's design for creation. That's what God desires from us. That's how he's called us as Christ followers to live. It's introduced to us through the baby in the manger, right? That's love came down. That's our introduction to this whole love relationship and this whole love dynamic. And then it's exemplified to us through the Gospels and the life of Jesus. He lives this love out. And it exemplifies and shows us what this can look like. And then it's made available to us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The big Easter picture. But it starts here, at Advent. It's introduced to us, it's exemplified to us, and then it's offered to us. God's designed for us is love. When love came down, it opened everything up and changed everything. And so this morning, what I want to do is the band comes up, and as we close, I want us to ponder on two things. I want us to meditate. I want us to, you know, uh, contemplate. I want us to think and sort of evaluate two things in our hearts and in our lives as individuals and collectively. The first thing is this. I want us to ponder on God's love for us. I want us to just pause and reflect and soak that in and just kind of hang out for a minute on the idea that God loves you. That God loves you so much. God loves you so much. Christ's incarnation, meaning Jesus coming to earth, is God's proactive inclusion. It's him reaching out and saying, yo, you're invited into this. And you're like, well, Sam, how can you say that God loves me? You don't even know me. Well, I can cite John chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That he so loved the what? The world. You're part of the world. God loved you so much, so much, that he was proactive in starting a relationship with you. He was proactive in including you in this love relationship. And so God loves you so much. And so maybe you're in here and you're in a season where you don't feel God's love. Maybe you're in a season where you're like, yeah, I hear the words that are coming out of your mouth, but uh, okay, I get it conceptually, but I don't feel it in my heart. I don't feel it in my soul. I don't, I don't feel it. Or maybe you're just not aware of God's love. Maybe you didn't know that you qualified. Guess what? You don't. Nobody does. But God loves us anyway. God extends that love relationship to us anyway. And so I want to encourage you this morning that God loves you. God loves you right where you are, with all your junk, all your mess, all your mistakes, all your screw-ups. He loves you so much. And so some of you this morning you need to spend a few minutes receiving that saying, yeah, okay, I'll take it, I'll take it. The second thing I want us to sort of meditate on this morning or pray on this morning is our love for others. You know, some of us are like, yes, Lord, double portion, love me, yes! But then you're like a total a-hole to everyone else around you. Like, you're all about receiving God's love, but you're not trying to give it to others, right? Your, Your receiving is fine, but your reflecting is kind of a little bit broken. So maybe this morning you need to spend a few minutes sort of focusing on that. That God not only calls us to receive, but he calls us to reflect as well. He calls us to reflect that love to the world around us without distinction, without discrimination. Oh, you look like me, think like me, vote like me, and act like me, believe like me? Cool, I'll love you. Oh, you don't? No, you're out. No, that's not the way it works. That's not how God showers his love on us. That's not how we're called to shower our love on others make sense? And so maybe you need to spend a few minutes, maybe you're in here and you think that you're doing all the right things but really you're missing love. You're missing compassion for others. Grace, acceptance, forgiveness for others. The harsh reality is is that all that you're doing is beating the mess out of a cymbal. You're like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Love is the most important thing. Maybe you're in here and you haven't been able to love others because you haven't received love. Maybe you haven't maybe you haven't been able to love others because your perspective has been shifted. Maybe you've never heard it explained like this. And this morning you're like, "Oh, it's like that." Oh, okay. All right. Cool. I want to encourage each and every person in here this morning to receive and reflect the love of God. To receive the love of God and to reflect the love of God. I want to encourage and challenge every person in here this morning measure your success as a Christ follower, your success as a husband or a wife or a spouse or whatever, your success as a mother or a father, your success as a worker or as a business owner or whatever. Measure your success in your ever-growing capacity to love all people. Because that's success as a Christ follower. So the man's going to play and some of you need to pray to receive. God's love. Some of you need to pray that you can reflect God's love. And it might even be as practical as busting out your phone and saying, yo, I love you so much. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for being such a good friend. Thank you so much for being my mom and, you know, being so awesome. Thank you so much for this, that, or the other. Maybe it's that practical for you this morning of receiving and reflecting the love of Christ. Maybe it's encouraging someone, whatever. But I think all of us can evaluate this morning and all of us can grow this morning.